What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. Over the past 12 days, I was with my nieces and nephews, cuties. Even though I didn't do as good of a job as I would like to be fully present with them, for so many reasons that I will probably ponder on and talk about at some future date, this whole idea of not being able to be fully present in your life is one that I have struggled with probably for my entire life. And I'm starting to ask myself deeper questions as to why that might be the case. And so stay tuned and I'll report back if the inquiries, the questions that I'm asking myself lead anywhere that's worth sharing. Despite my inability to be fully present at all times, I feel so blessed for still having spent even the little bit of time that I did have with them. There's something about the developing mind that fascinates me. And also witnessing how intelligent children are at such small ages is something that I can never get over. They're almost like small adults, adults trapped in a small body. And so a practice that I've picked up from John Maxwell is to ask myself two questions while reflecting on times like this together. What did I love? What did I learn? And I'd like to go into some of that here in hopes to extrapolate lessons and learnings that we can all take away from spending time with children around. And I know we usually believe that we are in the position to teach kids something and don't often look at ourselves as the students. But if you keep your heart open, the child inside of you will resonate deeply with all of the ways that your life can be better if you live out these learnings from children. The first lesson that hit me in the face right away that I'll reiterate because I mentioned it a few episodes ago when they first arrived, and that is curiosity. But I'll mention a few more things about the nature of their curiosity that I may have missed on that episode. And that is the pure hearted, genuine nature of it. Being genuinely curious and asking questions to understand something without an imposition of what is right or wrong in that question. Obviously, since they don't have as many preconceived notions and biases, which leads to acceptance of each person as they uniquely are, no matter how quirky or weird or outside of their understanding that they might be. So their curiosity is genuine without an imposition. See, when you couple curiosity with openness of spirit, you get a genuine level of curiosity that is not easily accessible if you go into that curiosity with an agenda. And I can't even say that using the word acceptance is right because it's not that you have to be curious and accept the person as they are. Even the word acceptance has a distance built into it. It's like saying, I'm this way and I believe these things. And if you believe other things, then I accept you for that. And that's nice and mature and everything. But there's still so much identity and preference built into it. Acceptance still implies that it is bridging where you are and where someone else is. And again, as helpful as bridges are, it would be much more helpful to see the other person as both of you being part of the same stream flowing uniquely at your own speed, rippling as you encounter your own rocks and finding and flowing in your own way down course. 
meaning we are the same. No you or me needing to be bridged at all. There's no you and me there. There is just us flowing together. You in your way, mine in mine. But we are both still the stream, together as one body of water, flowing here through this moment in time. And the beautiful, playful, genuine curiosity of children is such that it allows you the breathing room and space for you to be you while still fulfilling their curiosity to understand you. Their need to understand you does not come from an imposition of how they think you should be. And I think that is beautiful. The second thing I realized while being with them is that joy can be had anywhere. You know, if you have a friend come over and visit you to come stay with you or they're coming to your town, it becomes your responsibility to show them a good time. So there's a bit of pressure. If they don't have a good time or are bored, it's your fault. And I'm the most boring person, so I never am in this position. I have close friends who come to visit me and they show me around my own neighborhood and city. So I'm a little weird. But the cool thing about kids is they are happy doing the most simple of things. I took them places, I've gone places with them and come back thinking that they might have been bored or thinking that there wasn't enough activity or excitement there for them, only to find out that they actually had a great time and that they enjoyed themselves. It's almost like they enjoy just spending the time together. It isn't an activity or a place that makes it joyful for them. It's an unquestioned state of being. It is to accept joy as your default state. And to realize that the upset moments are infrequent and rare. Sure, they get upset. They have cranky times and moments that they are tired and get frustrated because they don't want to sleep yet. But it's such a small percentage of their day compared to the joy that they live in constantly. And I think somewhere as we get older, the percentage flips. We live in a state of anxiety and being upset about something and the joyful moments are infrequent and rare. Anxiety becomes the unquestioned state of being. And of course, why not? Adulting isn't easy. You have the weight of the world on your shoulders and you have to provide for your family and worry about your health and think about your future. I'm not saying being joyful is easy. But what I am saying is that even though it is not easy, you don't need anything to be joyful. You don't need to solve all of those dilemmas that you are anxious over to be joyful. Those can be solved from a joyful state too, and most likely to be solved from that state, if I'm being honest. What does anxiety help us with anyway? Have you ever thought about you ever going on stage to commemorate a win, and in your thoughts or speech when trying to thank everyone or everything that helped you achieve your accomplishments? Have you ever thought about that you will have to thank your anxiety? I highly doubt it. If anything, you will be thanking all the things you did to push through the anxiety. That means it's more of a headwind, a resisting force in you solving your problems, not an aid. And maybe it has some evolutionary purpose and it's not all bad, but it's not meant to populate your default state of being. Joy is the infallible evidence of God. Is it a surprise that children are so joyful? They are the closest to God. Just having left his care, not shrouded yet by the cloaks of our learned helplessness. The third thing that I thought of separately, but as I'm saying it, I can see a connection of how joy would lead here, 
And that is ease. There is a sense of ease in children that clearly pointed out my bound up, anxious, overthinking state. One morning for breakfast, my niece asked me for milk. And this won't be a weird confession for people that know me, but for everyone else, you're going to think I'm even more of an oddball. But I never really opened the fridge. Except for when it's quick, simple things like take out a bottle of something and pour a cup and put it back. Growing up, I never opened the fridge. And even when I lived on my own for a decade, I never really went to the fridge to grab something to eat or see what's in there. Usually I had someone there, like my girl or my mom in my earlier years or people that work for us. And I would just ask them for what I needed. Like yesterday, I decided I was going to have brownies and I had my mother put a glass of milk in the fridge for me, ready for when I want to have the brownies. Now, I have many reasons for why I'm like this, which is a whole different topic for another episode. But the fact that I don't open the fridge presented a problem when my niece asked me for milk. First, I don't really know the setup of the fridge and where my mom keeps the milk. Second, I don't really feel comfortable going in her fridge and messing with things and taking milk without letting her know, etc., etc. There's a hundred other things, a thousand other things that went through my head when my niece asked me to give her milk, all within a split second. I was like, um, I don't know where the milk is. Let's see. And in her cute five-year-old voice of ease, she opens the fridge and she says, that's easy. It should be here. And then as I was hovering over her to look into the fridge, I quickly spotted the container my mom puts milk in, which I then took out and poured for her. Her sense of ease relaxed me. I was like, I got this. I can handle this. This is easy. And so she got her glass of chocolate milk that morning within minutes, despite how difficult I made it out to be in my head at first. And I'm sharing this small example of milk, but play this out and scale it out to more and more complex issues. And you can see how overthinking through the constrained lens of our patterned behaviors makes things more difficult than they need to be. And if you maintained a spirit of ease, a lightheartedness about everything, a let's move forward and figure it out type of energy, then nothing you set out to do would be difficult. Again, this goes back to our worries and our anxieties being worse in imagination than they might ever manifest in reality. Changing gears a bit, the fourth thing I learned that I found to be fascinating is the ability for children to know and exclaim their boundaries. They know when their no is a no. They know if they don't like a particular taste or flavor. They know when they want to be left alone right now or if they want to stay awake right now. And much of this is not up for debate no matter how much you try to fight it. We live in their world. Their energy encapsulates ours. And I think this is a perishable quality if there ever was one. If there's one major problem I've seen in adults that I have talked about countless times is the ability to say no. It's almost as if we gradually lose the ability to assert our boundaries. It's like we incrementally accept the degradation of all aspects of our being by the penetrating opinions of the external world. And some of that is necessary. And while you are meant to be flexible around what are your preferences, there are certain things as adults that require even firmer boundaries. The walls to your values cannot be malleable. The foundation of your principles cannot be negotiated with. And for many reasons as an adult, 
from people pleasing to seeking validation to fitting in to buying peace through pseudo compromise, we violate our own boundaries and contribute to traumatizing ourselves. Children remind us that boundaries are healthy and innate. You don't have to teach a toddler to say no when he doesn't like something. He will close his lips and turn his head and fight you tooth and nail so you cannot impose your will upon him. Boundaries make sure what we get fed matches our appetite. That we don't consume anything that does not fit our criteria. You don't have to take in anything you don't want to. By maintaining and asserting your boundaries, you signal the providing of safety to yourself, within yourself. The fifth thing and the last thing I'll mention today that I awakened to was witnessing fearless expression. When leaving, the kids cried hysterically. And I couldn't help but think, if I really let myself feel, if I really let myself be fully present the entire time, if I really met each moment with joy, if I really took in every ounce of love that they have to give me, then I would also be crying hysterically with them. And in a way, maybe to protect myself from missing them, that somehow, maybe even on day one, I hedged my heart and tried to continue to remain as self-involved as possible so as to not fully feel the pain on day 12 when they left. Knowing as an adult that I have to get used to the impermanence of it all, the fact that I don't get to see them anytime I want, that because of that inevitable pain that I know is coming when they leave, that I keep myself from enjoying even the 12 full days that I have with them. And if I really let myself feel, I would experience just as much joy and just as much hurt as they did. And I couldn't help but look at these kids and think about how they are expressing everything I wish I could, everything I would want to, because I love them the same. I just don't know how to show it. I don't know how to get out of my own way. And along with that comes their fearless ability to ask for what they want. If they want extra love, if they want to sit by you to feel close to you, they don't hesitate to ask or say it in fear of how they might look. There's no concept of shame that we grow as adults. I have a friend with a beautiful soul who has retained this childlike quality, and she will ask you plainly, can you love me a little extra today? Can you imagine what it would do for your relationships if you first got clear enough within yourself about your own feelings and then helped the other person understand what it is that they need to about you, about what you're feeling, and what they need to do to make you feel close to them, to make you feel loved. And if you had this courage to express yourself, to let yourself truly feel, to ask for what the needs your feelings are pointing to, imagine what a beautiful life you might just create. I love you, family. Stay true, always. I'll see you on the next show.